through four games of the Detroit Pistons NBA season. What are your biggest positive takeaways and what are your biggest negative takeaways through just four games again? We're going to be talking about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. In today's episode, we're going to start off talking about my the biggest positive takeaways I have through just four games of the NBA season with the Detroit Pistons. Then we'll move on to the worst takeaways, negative takeaways through four games. And then lastly, I want to talk about how the Pistons or what the Pistons need to make this starting lineup work that they're running. I know this is a heated topic. We talked about it a lot on the last episode about whether I believe this starting lineup is going to remain moving forward. Um, we'll talk about all that later on. Stay tuned for all that. Um, but I want to start off with the more, you know, the positive takeaways through four games. Um, but I'm going to say this one more time. I'm going to say it a lot through the podcast. I'm going to be saying it a lot through the beginning of the season. This is all a small sample size, so you don't want to go too crazy with it, okay? Don't go too crazy with it, but nonetheless, this is the sample that we do have, so let's have some takeaways. So the most positive takeaways I have through four games. The Detroit Pistons, after four games, have the 10th-ranked defense, according to defensive rating, and they have the 13th-ranked offense, according to offensive rating. Now, again, it is just four games, but if the Pistons were, let's say if that were to be where the Pistons ended up at the end of the season, that would be huge Ws. Even if the Pistons were to fall from like 10th defensively to like 15th, 16th, and to fall from 13th offensively to like 18th, 19th, that still would be massive Ws based off of where they were last year. Last year, they were one of the worst defenses in the entire NBA. Last year, they were one of the worst offenses in the entire NBA. So I know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about spacing and all of it's fair. All of it's fair. But also I feel like we need to, uh, the fans need to keep, keep that in perspective that despite the fact that yes, there are some spacing concerns and yes, there's a reasonable conversation to have about the starting lineup. Also keep in mind that the Pistons are two and two through four games. They have, they lost their first game to the Eastern Conference champions by one point. They've played pretty well, and they rank in the top 15 in both offense and defense. That's something that everyone should be happy with. Uh, it doesn't mean everything's perfect. doesn't mean things can't get better. But where they're at right now through four games, that, that's a good spot to be at. That, that You should be happy about where they're at after four games. That, that should be a good place to be. Um, that's my immediate takeaway, is that the Pistons have started this season much better than I thought they were going to start. Um, so I think that's definitely something to point out. 
The next thing is obviously is Kay Cunningham. Now, we just talked about in the last episode about Kay needs to cut down his turnovers, and he does. He does need to cut down his turnovers. Again, everything's not perfect. Things still need to be worked on. Things can still get better. But to start this season through four games, Cade is shooting 40% from three on 6.3 attempts. Now, he's obviously also averaging 21 points, 7.5 assists, 2.8 rebounds, you know, 42% from the field, 85% from the free line, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's playing overall good basketball. But all offseason, I told you guys that my biggest takeaway for, or my biggest thing I was looking forward to watching from Cade is will his three-point shot go back to where it was in college, where he was this pull-up three-point threat. He was a great shooter from beyond the arc because that's what's going to unlock him as an offensive superstar and what was going to hold him back if it didn't. And through four games, he's been a 40% three-point shooter on a decent you know, shot diet. It not just catch-and-shoot. He's hitting pull-up threes. He's hitting catch-and-shoot threes. He's hitting pull-up threes off of pick-and-roll. I think he's shooting the ball extremely well. Things can get better with his overall efficiency. He can get to the rim a little bit more, hopefully, draw a little bit more fouls. Now, part of that, again, has to do with some spacing stuff. Other part of it has to do with Cade welcoming some more contact around the rim. It also has to do with the fact that refs need to actually blow the whistle when Cade does get contact. So, again, things can still get better, but the fact that he's shooting this well from beyond the arc to start the season has me feeling much better. I already felt really good about Cade. But I feel even better about Cade as of right now because if that three-point shot is real and he has brought back where it was in college, that changes everything for him. And he's going to be that superstar offensively that we all thought he was going to be um, when he was drafted by the Detroit Pistons first overall. Um, the other, the next takeaway, positive takeaway for the Pistons, of course, is Asar Thompson. So, and don't worry, we're going to talk about Jalen Duren in just a second because he's another one. But Asar Thompson, he's just shooting 32% from the field. That's that's horrific. Um, he's shooting 14% from three-point land. That's horrific. Um, but despite that, he's averaging 10.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and 2.5 blocks. And look, the offense is, is something that's going to have to grow. He's going to have to get better at. But defensively, he's been more than anyone could have ever possibly expected through four games in his rookie season. Again, rookie season. There's a legit argument I feel like you can make that he's been a top 10 defender in the NBA. And if he continues on this you know, trajectory throughout the rest of the year, I think there's a strong chance he could be a rookie on the all-defensive team. This dude is, in, is having more block. He's probably the best wing blocker in the NBA. Non-big man shot blocker, he's probably the best one right now, easily. Defensively, he's clamping dudes up. You got star players asking to get him off of him. SGA was going through everything he possibly could to try to get a star Thompson switched off of him. He's getting the respect of other players already through just four games. Offensively, yes, it has to improve. I think it will improve, but we have to see it. We'll see if it does. But defensively, he's been even better than what the Pistons could have expected, what I could have expected, what any the biggest Asar Thompson fan could have expected defensively, he's been better than that. So that's one of the biggest takeaways through four games is the play of Asar Thompson on the defensive end. And then the last thing I want to mention is, and again, the Pistons are 2-2. Two and two. There's a lot of positive takeaways to take from a team that was the worst team in the NBA last year, starting off 2-2 two and two and playing, again, 
the Miami Heat to a one-point loss, beating the Hornets, who the Hornets have had their number for years, the Chicago Bulls, who had beaten them 15 straight times, there's a lot of positives to take away all around. So I, but I can't fit them all into the podcast, obviously. So let me know what your guys' positives are that maybe I didn't even mention in the comment section down below or over on Twitter. But then also Jalen Duran obviously, is having a massive leap. Now, he struggled a little bit against Chet Holmgren. I think that's something you're going to hear from a lot of NBA players, especially big men. Yeah, they struggled against Chet Holmgren. Chet is that good. Um, I don't know if people forgot, but yeah, he's that good, especially defensively. He's he's crazy. Don't let his you know, small frame get you confused. He is He's like that defensively. Um, and even in that game, Jalen Dern apparently sprained his ankle. He's questionable for this game against the Portland Trailblazers due to his sprained ankle. Um, but forget all that. He is averaging 15.5 points, 13.3 rebounds, 2.0 blocks. He's doing 68% from the field. He's playing extremely well, taking a massive leap through four games defensively. I think having good defenders around him has helped make his life easier. But even with that, I think he's easily the biggest reason why the Pistons' defense has been much better because he's been so much of a enforcer around the rim and deterrence around the rim. It's been amazing to see. Um, I think that the scheme that Monty Williams has him in is really helping out as well. Um, I, I just think Jalen Duran's been fantastic. Passing the ball as usual offensively. Uh, one of the best passing big men, I think, in the NBA. He's averaging 3.3 assists right now. Um, he's showing off a little bit more of his offensive game. You've seen him get the ball and you know, with his footwork in the post. We've seen him take a couple of dribble drives, one from half court against the Bulls. We've seen him take a couple of dribble drives from the top of the key to the lane. Um, yeah, I think Jalen Duren's been fantastic, and the, the duo chemistry between him and Kay Cunningham has been fantastic as well. Um, yeah, so those are my biggest takeaways, man. The Pistons' overall success as a team, defensively and offensively, Kay Cunningham shooting from beyond the arc, Asar Thompson's defense, and Jalen Duren's overall leap he's been taking. It looks like he's taking through four games, the biggest takeaways through four games for me. Is there other things that I haven't mentioned? Obviously, you could have mentioned Isaiah Stewart. He's one of the bigger offensive takeaways as well. I have these four. It's a little bit higher than him, but he's definitely one of them. I just I, I can't spend 20 minutes on positive takeaways, but I will shout out Isaiah Stewart. He's one of them. Um, Alec Burks obviously has played really well. Um, there's a lot of things. Marcus Sasser has looked decent in his five minutes that he's been playing really each game. Um, again, let me know in the comment section down below how you guys feel um, positively. Let me know only the positives right now. The first comments I want to see are all positive takeaways. Um, let me know again, comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. When we come back, sadly, there are some negative takeaways. My biggest negative takeaways we'll talk about soon. First, let me tell you about one of our sponsors. You guys know I absolutely love FanDuel. I've been talking about FanDuel for a while. I've been using FanDuel for a really long time. And Lions fans out there, I'm sure you guys have seen this. I've told you guys this many times. But FanDuel is really high on your Detroit Lions. Before the season, they had them favorites to win 10-plus games. Favorites to win the division. So, and looks like that's all going to happen with the Lions being 6-2 and heading into the bye week. That's the kind of thing you can do over at FanDuel. You can look at futures, take bets on the futures of the NFL, the NBA. You can also take bets on money lines. The next game for the Detroit Pistons against the Portland Trailblazers. The Pistons are slight favorites against the Trailblazers at minus 174. That's the kind of thing you can do as well. You can take the spread in this game, which they have the, the Pistons at minus 4, um, or minus 110 to have a 4-point spread. And then you can take the over-under in this game. Total points scored at 214.5. You can do player props. You can do over-unders of players. 
You can do all kinds of things. You can put them all into the same slip as well with FanDuel. And also, you right now, in bonus bets, you can get $150 in bonus bets if you hit on any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season and get started with the beginning of the NBA season. That's what's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So unfortunately, it's not all sunshine and rainbows with the Detroit Pistons. There are some negatives. And here are the my biggest negative takeaways through the season. For the Detroit Pistons. First one. I think this is easily the the most disappointing one. Is the play of Killian Hayes through four games. Killian Hayes through preseason. It looked like he was putting it all together. You were seeing him put the pressure on the rim. He was finishing around the rim. He had a few and ones around the rim. He was shooting the ball really well from the mid range. He didn't take many threes. But he shot 56% from the field uh, in preseason. Uh, He was looking really good with the Sar Thompson. I thought he was just playing really well through preseason. And Monty Williams had talked him up a lot through preseason. He had talked him up a lot through training camp about how well he had been playing. And it had a lot of people, and people like myself who believe in Killian Hayes, feeling pretty good about him and happy to see how the season was going to start for him. And then the season started, and he was named a starter. And I was like, okay, maybe this is the year that Killian Hayes finally pieces everything together for himself. And then through four games, he's shooting 31% from the field, 25% from deep, 36% on twos. He's averaging eight points, four assists, one and a half steals per game. Um, This has not been a good start at all for Killian Hayes. And the free throw percentage, I'm not even going to really mention, he's shooting 57% from the free throw line, but that's only on like 1.8 attempts a game through four games. Still, you don't want to see that, but that's incredibly small sample size. I think that's only like, what, seven free throws, I think, or something. Yeah, that's, I, I can't, I can't even find it. Yeah, seven free throws. So that's incredibly small sample size. But either way, he's not been good to start the year offensively. He's been fine defensively, but offensively, he has not taken that jump that it looked like maybe he was going to take in preseason. Now, it is very early. Four games is nowhere near enough to write off somebody or write somebody on. But through four games, he's been a massive disappointment offensively. And if he doesn't turn it around, when Monty Morris comes around and gets back healthy, you probably won't see Killian Hayes play again. He probably won't be a part of the rotation, and this will probably be the end of Killian Hayes' time as a Detroit Piston if he doesn't turn it around. I still believe in Killian Hayes. I think he can be a good player in the NBA. He hasn't been one thus far. He's been a disappointment offensively. He hasn't continued his strong play from preseason into the regular season. I've seen a lot of people say that that maybe could change if he was not a starter uh, and he was just being brought off the bench to run the bench unit. Listen, I, I I'm going to say this one more time with the starting lineup. I'm not making the starting lineups. I simply just talk about what's happening and what's being done. So I'm not I'm not saying there isn't points to both sides with the starting lineup and the bench unit. But nonetheless, Killian Hayes has been one of the bigger disappointments so far through four games. He can still turn it around. Four games is not a lot at all. He can turn it around. One good shooting game could get him back up to 40%. So it can still happen, but through four games, yeah, it's it's looked rough. It's looked rough, and it's sad. I, I hate to see it because it really looked like he was piecing some stuff together through preseason. And it just hasn't happened. So 
This is this is this basically a two week stretch of his career, two three week stretch of his career. If he doesn't turn this around, probably over for him. So, been disappointment. Hopefully, he turns around. But so far, it's been tough. Um, that's the first um, negative with the Detroit Pistons. The other negative with the Detroit Pistons, we go back to Asar Thompson, and that's it's his offensive game, shooting thirty two percent from the field, fourteen percent from deep, thirty six percent on all twos. As good as he's been uh, defensively, he's equally has been bad offensively. And when we talk about the starting lineup later, we'll, we'll we'll look at everything and put it all into perspective. But the combination of Asar and Killian both being 32% shooters from the field, that's what's really sinking the Pistons lineup. Defensively, I think they're fine. And overall, team-wise, they've been fine by them being 13th offensively and 10th defensively through four games. So overall, this team's actually been fine. They're 2-2. Two and two. Everyone should be happy with that. But as far as just the starting lineup, why it struggles so much against OKC and why you've seen it have highs, like in the fourth quarter against Chicago, and you've seen it have lows, like the first quarter of the uh, game against the Miami Heat with the turnovers, is because Killian Hayes and Osar Thompson are both shooting 30% from the field. They both are hovering around 42 shooting percentage. That's why when you look at the lineup data, and you guys know I've said this over and over, over, I said over, over, I don't like looking at small sample sizes with the lineup data. I try not to do that. But for what it's worth, let's just throw it out there, incredibly small sample size. But that's why when you see them replace Alec Burks or replace Asar Thompson with Alec Burks or Killing Hayes with Alec Burks, the lineup has an insane net rating. Now, it's not just when Killian Hayes goes to the bench, you swap him in for Alec Burks. That one with uh, Cade, Alec Burks, Asar, Stu, and Duren is great. The one with Cade, Killian, Burks, Stu, and Duren is great. Because you can get away. The thing is, so with Asar and Killian, if you have Asar on the floor with no Killian, you can then take advantage. So far through four games, is what this is what's been the issue. Maybe it gets better moving forward. We'll talk about that later. But with one of them on the floor... You can still take advantage of what Asar does well offensively. You can try and minimize what he doesn't do well offensively and reap the benefits of what he does do good offensively and defensively. And Alec Burks will try to help, help you know, balance out that with the offense, with the spacing. It's the exact same thing if it's Killing Hayes without Asar Thompson. Killing Hayes can provide that secondary ball handling for, uh, for Kay Cunningham, the playmaking. And then defensively, he can do his thing defensively. And then Alec Burks balances out the spacing with that. So... That's the problem with the starting lineup so far, and why it's one of my negatives so far, is that Killian Hayes and Asar Thompson are both shooting the ball incredibly inefficiently. Like, they've both been very inefficient from the floor, and it's the main reason why we're having these spacing conversations. Um, everyone is chucking up to just one of those players. It's the combination of the two. If just one of them's on the floor, their lineups have been really good. It's just when you have both of them on the floor, it makes it really hard if they're both going to shoot like that, it's it, it's really hard to really thrive offensively unless you're in transition and fast break scenarios. So Asar has to get better offensively. He has to make more shots. Not even I'm not even saying just three-point shots. He has to get better at not turning the ball over. He's having two and a half turnovers a game, a lot of sloppy turnovers. And then also, he just I feel like the refs could help him out, give him some foul calls. I just feel like the Pistons don't get a good whistle at all. Like, I, I don't get it. But he does need to draw some more fouls, and he has to become a better finisher around the rim, which was something that was a little wishy-washy at OTE. We talked about that pre-draft. Uh, I think it will get better with his footwork as he gets stronger. Maybe not this year he becomes a great finisher, but down the line I think he will. He just has to become a better one than he is now through four games, that is. 
don't overreact too much and think he's just a terrible finisher because of four games. But through four games, he has not finished well. He has to become a better finisher, has to shoot better from the floor. That's my other negative um, from the Detroit Pistons season. And the last one I have, and I think some people are going to be shocked I even bring this up, but James Wiseman. The Pistons traded Sadiq Bey for James Wiseman. Now, while Sadiq Bey, I, I was not a huge fan of, and it's not like he's over in Atlanta going crazy. Atlanta didn't even offer him that contract extension, so he's going to be a restricted free agent this excuse me, this offseason. They did trade him, who he, he's at least playing for Atlanta, for James Wiseman. And James Wiseman did not play well in preseason, and he hasn't even been given a thought through four games with the play of Marvin Bagley. I don't think he's going to be given a thought through four games from Marvin Bagley. So that's my that, that's why it's a negative for me, is that you traded a guy who, yes, I wasn't a huge fan of, but is at least play, can at least play somewhat in a role for a guy that looks like he may be out the NBA moving forward next season. For a guy who's not even able to crack your rotation at all. Um, I think that's been... I expected this. I predicted that this would happen. I did not think he was going to beat Marvin Bagley out. But once it actually happens, then you're like, man, that's kind of like a sunken cost, really. You feel me? So, um, again, it's a, it's four games into the season. Maybe in a, in, in a week or two, he gets a chance, and then he balls out. But through four games in the preseason, it looks like that Marvin Bagley is clearly ahead, way ahead of James Wiseman. He's not even being given a thought out there. Um, so... So far, that's another big negative is that you traded Sadiq Bay for a guy so far that's not even able not even able to crack your rotation at all. Um, so that's that's my last negative. What's some other negatives? Is there any other negatives that you guys want to throw out there? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, how can the Pistons make this starting lineup? If this is the starting lineup they're gonna to continue to go with, how can they make this work? What needs to happen? I'm going to tell you guys when we come back, but first you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So the Pistons star lineup so far has been Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Asar Thompson, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Durant. has not been that great so far through four games. I think the people who hate it are making it sound way worse than it actually has been, and the people maybe who love it are making it sound a little bit better than it has. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think if you've watched the games, I think there's clearly some, some upside to it, but then there's also very clearly a big... Uh, <laughs> bright negative to it. Um, and that's obviously the spacing. You have times like the fourth quarter against Chicago when they come in and they outscore Chicago in the fourth quarter 18-7 to seven and clamp down. You have situations like that. You have situations like throughout the Miami Heat game after they stopped turning the ball over when they were able to get out and run and they played really well off of it. You have situations like in the beginning of the Chicago game where it looks like they're really playmaking, attacking gaps and figuring out, hey, we may not provide a lot of spacing just from standing out here and providing shooting gravity, but we're all playmakers. If we really attack the gaps, keep the defense moving, we can create spacing that way. And I thought they were doing a great job of that at the beginning of the Chicago game. But then you have stretches, like basically the entire OKC game, where you go against a defense like OKC and they take away everything and you just end up, you know, standing around. 
and they're not respecting you as spot-up shooters, and it makes it incredibly hard for K to move around. Again, you have times like the beginning of the Miami Heat game when you're turning the ball over way too much, trying to do too much. You have games like um, Charlotte was, I thought it was okay for the starting lineup. I thought it was, eh, it was okay. I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was great. Um, but my overall point is you've had stretches of, oh, hey, I see what, I see why Monty likes this lineup. And then you have stretches of, hey, why the hell is this lineup even thought about being put together? It's, you've had a mix of both. So, do I think, let me just say, do I think there's upside to this starting lap? Yes, I do think there is upside, and I see why Monty wants to do it. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I disagree with it. I'm simply saying I see why Monty is doing it. I also see why fans are very upset about it right now. What, this is what needs to happen. The upside with this lap from Monty's perspective, which is what he, he told us this uh, before the first game of the year, um, it's because this lineup has the best chance, he believes, of providing balance on both sides of the floor. I think he has an argument there, but it requires a big if. And all the other lineups also require big ifs. His idea, basically what he's betting on with this starting lineup, he thinks this will be their best defensive lineup, which I, I would tend to agree with. I think it probably would be, is their best defensive lineup. And then he's taking a bet that either one of Asar Thompson or Killian Hayes is going to be efficient enough offensively to balance out the offense, provide enough playmaking, and be enough of an efficient shooter to where you can have a passable offense and then reap the benefits defensively. That's what his ben- That's what his bet is right now. And through four games, Killing Hayes and Asar Thompson have not been efficient at all. There's been stretches where they've looked good, but overall they have not been efficient. So it's it, the bet has not worked in his fa- Monty Williams' favor so far which is why fans are asking for Alec Burks to come to the starting lineup, why they're asking for Jane Ivey to come to the starting lineup to provide that spacing. Obviously, if you brought them in, I think you lose a little bit defensively, but would it be worth it offensively to provide that spacing for Cade? Possibly. There is an argument for that as well. That could be the case. However, I, like I said in the last podcast, again, this is not my, this is not what I would do. I'm simply telling you what it seems like and what I've heard and what we're seeing from Monty Williams I don't think he's going to be changing his starting lineup after four games. I gave you guys the argument for that after the second game when I said, if this is a vision that you're, if you're a head coach and you have a vision, you believe in it, you go forward with it. Four games is not enough of a sample size to make a head coach say, my vision's wrong. I give up on it. It has no upside. It, that's just not how it works. So I don't think that Monty Williams is probably going to be changing this lineup heading into game five. I think the most likely scenario, though it could be different, I think the most likely scenario is this is the starting lineup until Boyan, Monty, and Isaiah Livers comes back. Now, could it change before then? 100%. But if I had to put my money on a situa- on one of those happening, I think that's probably what's going to happen, that this is going to be the starting lineup you get until they come back healthy. Now let's move on to actually how they can work. I, I went around, I kind of explained all kinds of stuff, but I still haven't gotten to how this can work. It's really simple. It's really simple. The only way that this starting lineup has a chance at working and really thriving at some point over the next three weeks, and it, again, it has three weeks they can get there if they if people improve, there's multiple things that need to happen. One, as I've said before in the last segment, one of Asar Thompson and Killian Hayes has to shoot better. One of them has to. It, it, both of them cannot be hovering around 42 shooting percentage. One of them has to shoot better. Whether it's Asar uh, shooting better at the rim, uh, not turning the ball over as much, 
And, and again, he doesn't have to be a 40% three-point shooter, but he has to be better maybe around the rim, create easier opportunities for himself. Maybe teammates have to find him a little bit better around the rim on cuts, on alley-oops, etc. He just has to be more efficient overall offensively, not just as a three-point shooter. He needs to be better efficiently overall offensively. Killian Hayes has to shoot better from deep. He's shooting, was I think he's shooting four attempts per game from three right now. Um, I just had it up. Where'd it go? Oh, yeah, he's shooting four attempts per game from three right now. He's shooting 25% on, on those threes. He has to shoot better from those threes. He has to. If he's not going to shoot better from three, it's not going to have a chance. Now, over the last three games, what is he shooting over the last three games? Um, he shot one of three the second game, two of three the third game, one of four this last game. The first game of the season, he shot 0 of six. That kind of stuff can't happen. Killian Hayes cannot have games where he's shooting 0 of six from three. He can't have games like he did against Charlotte where he shoots 2 of 10 from the field. That just cannot happen. He has to shoot better from the floor. One of those two guys has to pick it up offensively. Shooting-wise, I think Killian Hayes has the best chance shooting-wise to pick it up. And interior, cutting to the rim, finishing around the rim, providing that kind of presence, Asar Thompson has the better chance. If one of those two guys do that, then this lineup will have a chance at doing what Monty Williams believes. But that has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it needs to be changed, and it's going it's just not going to thrive. It's going to fail. So that's the first thing that has to happen. One of those guys has to be efficient. doesn't have to be, like, uber-efficient, but one of them has to not be, like, worse than the NBA efficient. That just can't happen. You can't have two of them on the floor. just can't happen. One of them will have to go. It, it would be Killian Hayes, obviously, if, if when you make the decision to move on from one of them in the starting lineup. But if you're going to have both of them, one of them has to step up. Just can't happen. You can't have both. Um, the next thing that has to happen, and this is where I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers, but I really don't care. Cade has to make better decisions with the ball. And this is what I mean. Everyone's talking about the spacing with Cade, how he needs more spacing. I 100% agree. I've been the main one for three years, two years, I should say, saying that if you give Cade spacing and a pick-and-roll threat, just let him have the ball all the time, he could put up crazy numbers. I've been one of the people saying him in a heliocentric offense with spacing, he would put up numbers. I understand. I completely agree with it. I understand. He needs spacing. Would spacing make his life easier? Yes. Would he have more driving lanes? Easier driving lanes if he had more spacing? Yes. I agree with all that. However, that does not excuse the fact that he's being sloppy with the ball at times. That does not excuse the fact that he's not making the right pass at times when defenses collapse on him. This is, this is basically, let me paint this picture for you guys. If Katie Cunningham is driving and there is extreme aggressive help on the nail or weak side help on the corner, they're all the way in the paint. If that's happening, what do you think is a better option here? A turnover that leads to transition points or him kicking the ball out to one of those guys and taking an open three? It's the open three. And the, the, why I keep hearing back from some fans, which is just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, is, well, if K kicks it out, they're just going to miss. So what, what's the point? Um, the point is, is that you're getting a missed shot and you have a chance to get back and you have an open three, which is a, which is a good look generated versus a turnover that causes you to be now three on one on a fast break and the other team gets two points. If Cade makes the right pass to open guys, the guys who are being left open, on, they're being open, left open for a reason. I agree. But if he makes those passes to those guys that Monty Williams and the Pistons are betting 
and hoping develop as outside shooters, guys like Killian Hayes, guys like Asar Thompson, heck, even guys like Isaiah Stewart, Cade has to give them the ball when they're open. He just has to. And if he makes those passes, Cade's doing his job. We can say, hey, Cade's finding the open guy. He's creating these open looks. He's playing great. Those guys aren't doing their job. That's what our takeaway will be. Cade's doing his thing. He's making the right read. He's doing everything he can, and those guys are letting him down. However, instead of that, like this past game goes against OKC, I can't come on here and say that. I can't come on here and say, hey, Cade's doing his job. He's doing everything right. Those guys are just letting him down. I have to now come on here and say, well, those guys are open. Cade's not either, one, trusting them, or two, just doesn't see it. I definitely don't think he doesn't. It's not the fact he doesn't see it. I think he clearly doesn't trust them enough to keep giving them the ball, uh, those particular guys. And it's resulting in turnovers and easy fast break points. So now I have to come on here and say, well, Cade's making the wrong decisions here, and he's hurting the team with those turnovers, especially at those critical times. So, one, those guys have to get better. They have to be more efficient from the floor. One of them has to be way more efficient. They have to get better. And then two, Cade has to continue to give them the chance to be more efficient. Or this lamp just won't have a chance. Whether you believe they will or won't become more efficient doesn't matter. Kill, or not killing. Cade has to give them the chance to be more efficient. If he doesn't give them the chance to be more efficient, the lineup doesn't have a chance to become better, and Cade's just going to continue to turn the ball over too much. Again, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that he needs more spacing. I'm not disagreeing or agreeing that inserting one of the shooters would be better. I'm not commenting on any of that. I'm commenting on what reality is. The reality is, this is the lineup he's out there with, and when he's out there with that lineup, him passing it to an open guy and them missing the open three is better process and is a better solution is a better outcome than K turning the ball over by choosing not to pass to them and then the opposing team getting a three on one fast break and scoring in the fast break off turnovers. That's all I'm saying, and that has to change if this is the lineup Monty Williams is going to continue to move out. If he changes it, if he doesn't, I don't know. I don't care really. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care. I'm just covering the team and giving my opinion on what is happening currently. If they want to change it, go ahead. I completely understand the idea of more spacing. It would help offensively. No doubt. It 100% would. I get it. But as long as Monty Williams is going to keep this starting lineup out there, Cade has to give these guys a chance to be more efficient. If he doesn't, he's going to have high turnover numbers. I'm going to have to continue to come on here and say, Cade is making the wrong decision with the ball in his hands. Instead of being able to say, hey, Cade's making the right plays. He's doing everything right. And those guys are letting him down. They have to be better. Right now, I can't say that because he's not giving them that chance right now. So I I hope you guys understand what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to crown the starting lineup. I'm not saying I believe in this starting lineup. I'm not saying I don't believe in it. I'm not commenting on it at all. I'm simply commenting on the reality of the situation. If this is going to be what it is, that's what's going to have to happen. So let me know what you guys think about that. Oh, my God. My voice is cracked really bad. Jesus. Let me let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill how you guys feel about that. Can't wait to hear from you guys about this one. I know this is a very heated topic in the Pistons community. Um, can't wait to hear from you guys. But that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Um, I do want to just say this for the community because this is you guys are a part of this. I, like obviously, I'm the one hosting the podcast. I create the content, but this wouldn't mean anything if you guys didn't listen every single day. We didn't grow like we have over the last two years. We haven't created a whole new audience on YouTube. 
continue to grow as a podcast on the podcast platforms. Like, and all, none of this would be possible without all of you guys. So I want to bring this up because I think it's not just a win or a good moment for me. It's a good moment for all my listeners in our, in our community, our Locked On Pistons community. The old man and the three, J.J. Redick and Tommy Alter, I was Locked On Pistons and I were mentioned in their newsletter about how they listen to the podcast and how they suggest everyone to come listen to the podcast. And again, and that makes me feel really good. It makes me feel like I'm doing my job pretty well and you guys, and, and I'm providing some good content and know, you know, I'm getting better at this. But it also lets me know that you guys are freaking incredible for supporting me as much as you guys have. You guys are amazing, and thank you so much for, you know, even when the Pistons haven't played well, you guys have come out here and you showed up. You guys have supported me through two and a half years of me doing this. And none of that kind of comments, none of those props that we get would happen without you guys. So I, I, it's a moment for all of us to be happy about. I'm extremely happy to hear that kind of thing, but you guys also should be happy about it because, again, it wouldn't happen without you guys. So I appreciate all of you guys out there listening. Um, but anyways, enough with all of that. I'll catch you guys later. Enjoy the Pistons game. Hopefully they beat the Portland Trail Blazers. We'll see how it goes. But until next time, stay safe out there. Next time, peace out.